good morning. Good morning. There's a there's a verse in Proverbs. Y'all don't know why I feel emotional this morning. Y'all forgive me, but there's a verse in Proverbs that says in the 27th chapter, the full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. <laughs> I really really just had a mind to really just dwell on that proverb because it feels so so relevant, uh, I think not for myself, but for uh, for all of us and for everyone. Uh, you know, how at a time, especially, I think we can <laughs> imagine after Thanksgiving, you can get pretty full. You can get pretty full very easily, very quickly. And uh, there, there can be a time spiritually that we can become... Uh, that we can become very full, uh, and I would say I would even go as far as say full on not the right things, not the sweet things that we should be uh, full of. And we become so full, of, you know, the, even the expression "full of ourselves" and "full of our own egos" that the the sweet things, the the the, the important things, the sweet things of the gospel, uh, we we loathe them. We don't want them because we become so uh, so full of ourselves that we uh, that we don't want to hear it, uh, that it doesn't uh, it doesn't appeal to us. Uh, I, I I speak very much um, uh, of my own of my own self. I very much uh, have been in this have been in this place, and uh, I still feel at times in this place. Uh, I can remember. Uh, Natalie may not remember this, but you know, for those of you that know me, I did not. I was not you know raised to. Primitive Baptist Church. I was not brought up to uh, uh, taught the doctrines of grace, and uh, I can recall a time when uh, Natalie and I first started dating, and I don't know who brought up what or how the conversation got brought up, but we got to talking about what we believed, and uh, I can recall uh, feeling very full, uh, very uh, my soul felt very full to the point where. That did not sound very sweet to me. It, it didn't. It did not uh, appeal to me. I felt so full of my own ego and full of uh, things that I've been taught and things that I felt so strongly convicted on without even really knowing why that uh, I, that I did that uh, I loathed it. I loathed that honeycomb that uh, should have been sweet to me. And uh, looking back now, uh, it is is very sweet to me. <laughs> and. Uh, this is not something, and I, like I said, I think this is something that, you know, I can still, I still find myself struggling with at times. We can become very full of our own thoughts and ideas on things that we don't want to hear what anybody else has to say, and they might be right, that uh, we might consider what they have to say. Uh, and Jesus went through this very same thing. One of my favorite, has become my favorite chapters, I, I would say boldly in the Bible, is the sixth chapter of John. <laughs> and there is a, so much truth in this chapter, so much, uh, so much honey, and sweet things that uh, <laughs> that uh, used to not sound uh, very sweet to me because I didn't understand them. They weren't very sweet to me. And Jesus went through this exact same thing with uh, his own disciples because it does say later on these were men that were his disciples. These were not just men that had just just now listen to this man. It calls them disciples. These were men that had taken up their cross and determined to follow him and, uh, and then later had left him. And this is after... Uh, I, I want to go in the 26th verse. 
Uh, this is after uh, you know the famous story of Jesus feeding the five thousand. Uh, so again, these men were filled. <laughs> they were they were full. They were full in their bellies, and I think they were also from what we'll see. They were full in their soul that they didn't want to listen to the the sweetness that Jesus was saying to them. And it says in the 26th verse, Jesus answered said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth <laughs> unto, every, uh, unto everlasting life, which, a son of, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do? that we might work the works of God. They were looking for something that they could do, something that they, they wanted They wanted this eternal life out of a work that they could do. They, they weren't understanding what Jesus was trying to teach them that was really beautiful. And he said, Jesus answered unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him, on him whom he hath sent. They said, and that, that also, by the way, that tells us right there that belief is a work. That was something else that I did not want to hear. It was that was was not sweet to me that belief is a is a word. And they said, therefore unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat man in the desert is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. <laughs> and he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven. And giveth life unto the world. And they still uh, continued just to not understand what he was saying to them. They didn't want to hear it. And then they said unto them, Lord, evermore, give us uh, this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. And he said, and he said this is a, a very important scripture. Right here in this chapter... Christ is teaching a lot about predestination, foreknowledge, um, that is not of your own works, but the works of God, the Father, and uh, the Son. And he says in the 37th verse, All the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but to raise it up again at the last day. Another, another sweetness right there that uh, there are many, myself included, that ha- had not believed that, had not known that. And uh, because, you know, <laughs> so full of our own ego, so full of, you know, I'll say my, my own ego, that, uh, you know, I didn't believe that. But there it is right there being taught by uh, Jesus Christ himself. That uh, we can never fall from grace. That, and that uh, all, all that the Father has given him, they will come to him. And not of their own will, but of the will of the Father. <clears throat> and the 41st, I'll jump down to the 41st verse. Because they continued to, to, to murmur. Even after all this sweetness and honey he was giving them, they were continuing just to murmur against him uh, and question his authority. And Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. <clears throat> it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Very verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. 
I am that bread of life. Uh, there again, like I said, uh, Jesus just very, very early in his ministry was teaching on uh, how everyone would be taught of God. All of his children were going to be taught of God. And he even explains it out to them. They're not going to physically see God, but they're going to be taught of him. And uh, those that believe on him, they already have everlasting life. He was trying to assure them while also teaching them. And uh, they still just full of themselves would not would not believe it. They would not uh, they could not uh, understand what he was teaching them. <coughs> and uh, a- after all this, in the 59th verse, it says, These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And many, therefore, of his disciples, these, again, these are his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at him, he said unto them, Doth this, uh, does, this offend, does this offend you, is, is what I've said. Uh, I think this was very, you know, you would, you would think it would be shocking for disciples of Christ, for what he is teaching them, to, to offend them like it clearly was. <clears throat> and he said, What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. You know, he was, you know, he was, again, giving them so much assurance. You know, that the flesh profits nothing. The spirit is is what is what quickens you. <laughs> and they still would just um, couldn't load that that precious honeycomb that was being given to them. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man could come to me except it were given unto him of my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And I think this was a very, I, I think this was not a happy time for, for Jesus Christ to, to look at all these. Because uh, it, it doesn't say just a few disciples. It says many, many of his disciples, men that had uh, pledged their lives to, to walk with him. And like I said, carry their cross daily to, to, uh, to follow Christ. And when he was uh, really teaching them, I mean, that was some really rich stuff. He was just heavy laying on to them to, to fill them with. And they were, and it, it just, you know, in, in that verse in Proverbs, says, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Uh, a lot of times what Jesus said can taste very bitter to us. It doesn't taste very, it doesn't taste really sweet sometimes, not to our flesh. It can taste really bitter. And, uh, it's just amazing to think of all these disciples that went back and walked no more with him. And then I'm sure it wasn't easy for him to ask his twelve, you know, will he, are you, will he also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. <laughs> even, as a, even as a disciple of Christ, even as a even as a primitive Baptist, even as a, you can fill in the blank, we can all times be full of ourselves. We can be, we can have our souls filled with, uh, with ego, with, with uh, false teachings, mm-hmm. with uh, ideas that we may have just come up in our own mind that the, the, the sweetest things of the gospel, that honeycomb, uh, can be very bitter. And I pray that we can uh, overcome that and not... Uh, have ourselves uh, filled too much to where those things don't taste as sweet anymore. 
<laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brother Cole. And that we are we're thankful uh, to have you in the fold here at Buffalo Church and your efforts in the stands are in the stand is uh, a benefit to us all and, and the experiences that we all have and Brother Cole gave us some of his are, are worth a lot. So we are grateful to that. Um, the uh, and I was thinking as he, you know, the, the word shall, when Jesus Christ said, all the Father giveth me shall come to me. That tells you that there was a people that were given to Christ. And those people were in Christ before Christ was incarnate in this world. Yea, they were in Christ before God spoke the world into existence. And Jesus says that they that were given to me shall come. So they, there's, a, there's a bringing forth done by God himself, and it is a work of God and the power of God, and the shalls of the, of the scripture are important to understand so that we can, we can understand, you know, have knowledge of who God is in the work of grace. You know, God doesn't attempt to give grace. God gives it fully, and he gives it freely, and he gives it for his own glory's sake first and foremost. You will be to the praise and honor of God in heaven. You won't have an option or a choice to deny it. You can't go somewhere else when you're in heaven. You will not leave the throne of grace, nor you want to. You will have no needs. Your, your complete joy in life for eternity will be worshiping your God and fellowshipping with the saints of God in unison. Now, that might sound a little boring down here, but it won't be boring there. Um, now, <clears throat> Having a knowledge of God is important. Having a knowledge of God and knowing how he saves is important. <clears throat> but, it's, but there's also a knowledge of God that, that we sometimes forfeit to learn because there is a, listen, there is a knowledge that God gives us that you can't deny. It's another shall. So as God explains his own covenant of grace, he says it this way. This is my covenant. That they that I will write in their hearts my laws and I will inscribe them in their minds. Now, this is done by the power of God and they shall not. There's another shall, but it's a not. They shall not go every man to his brother, nor every man to his neighbor telling them to know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. So the least, you can imagine John the Baptist, the infant in his mother's womb that was filled with the Spirit of God when he heard the salutation of the mother of Jesus Christ. She said he leapt for joy in my womb. Now that's the least. That's about as small as you can get. And, th- and still that, that babe knew the Lord. <clears throat> And you can go to the utmost aged man who went all of his life, never being born of God, but before he dies, because he is one of those given to Christ, God visits him at whatever time. This is God's purpose and God's, God's work, and you, you and I can't argue as to why he didn't do that earlier in life. This is just God's business. 
So the greatest of them will still know the Lord before they die. Every one of those given to Christ shall know God by means of the new birth. That is, God will simply, in His own time, invade their souls, take possession of them, reveal Himself to them, convict them of their sins, make them feel their need of Him as a Savior. The reason they feel their need is because God's exposed that they're sinners. That's, one, that's the work of the Spirit of God, by the way, and not the preacher. You know, Christ said Himself, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to what? Convince or convict this world of sin. That world of sin, or that, that, that world that's convicted of sin are God's people. So there is a shall in the knowledge of God that you and I cannot deny, nor, nor and, and, and again, uh, the, the, the folks who have never heard the gospel in some far regions across the land, you know, you go across to see somebody who's never heard the gospel. That knowing does not hinder, or that them, their separation from America or any preacher does not hinder them knowing the Lord. God doesn't need me to make them know the Lord personally as He now invades and, and, and actually lives in them and walks in them. Now, there is a, that is a shall knowing. Now, let's go to the book of Proverbs, and then we're going to find a, a finding knowledge. All right, and there's a difference in the two. Proverbs chapter 8. <clears throat> Solomon says, this is actually the word of God. This is God speaking. <clears throat> 8 and 8. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain, that is easily understood, to him that understandeth and right to him that find knowledge, or to them that find knowledge. <clears throat> they're plain and they're right. So when somebody finds knowledge, this is a found knowledge, which, which then indicates there's something we must seek. Now the gospel is the means of this knowledge. The found knowledge, the gospel is the means of. Now we have a lot of things that opposes this knowledge. The Apostle Paul talks in the second uh, book of uh, Corinthians, in the 10th chapter, concerning the gospel, and it's, it's a war, right? He, he calls it a war. He said, our warfare is not carnal, but it is mighty. To the pulling down of strongholds, to the casting down of imaginations, and the bringing down of everything that exalts itself against this knowledge of God. Against the knowledge of God. There are things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And, and, and the things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, sometimes are, they're taught. They, these, are, these are lessons that even good people teach. You know, I, can, I could deceive you, and I can deceive you unintentionally if I don't know God. That is, if I don't know this knowledge about God. It's imperative to know about God before we speak about God. So if somebody says, I ask you a certain question about God, and you first, your first response is, well, I think, or I just believe, or I'm not sure, but this is the way I see it. You better go find it in the Bible. Go look in the Bible. Find, the answer is there. You won't, you won't have to say, it, it's just the way I think. You'll find it in the Word of God. It is, listen, this, this knowledge of God and the lack of this knowledge is a destroying thing to a people, to churches, 
to a country. You know, there, uh, the very, you, do you remember Satan's first, or the lie in the garden? Remember what he, what he told them about? It was the knowledge, wasn't it? The, the, the tree that was forbidden, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, Satan says, when you eat it, you'll become as God's knowing good and evil. Listen, they knew good, didn't they? Adam and Eve knew good before the fall. They had communion with God. They had fellowship with God. You know, there was, they were given uh, uh, dominion over all the animals. Everything was at their beck and call. They did not know evil. That's, that is, they didn't know the knowledge of it until they disobeyed God. Then all of a sudden, you start hiding yourself. You start hiding your nakedness. You start hiding from God. You know, that's, that's what knowledge does. That's what the knowledge of evil does, doesn't it? It makes you want to hide from God. Didn't, you know, Adam didn't come out and say, hey, you know, uh, here God, here I am. He, no, he hid, and then God asked the question, Adam, where are you? Not that he didn't, he didn't know his uh, geographical location. In other words, look at where you are right now compared to where you were before you disobeyed me. <clears throat> so so the, it's like, you know, <laughs> you're in a pitiful state, aren't you, Adam? And he was. And, and, and so that was passed on down to us. Now, we should learn something from that. That just because somebody says something about God, and Satan did, he used God. Hath God said. And then here we go, falling into condemnation to which the Son of God and only the Son of God can bring us out of. <clears throat> so, you know, God, uh, so, so knowing and finding this knowledge about God can keep this church alive. It, it, can, it can keep this church doors open. Knowing about the, the knowledge of God can keep peace in a, in, a, in a state, in a community. Because if you don't know who you're dealing with, if you don't really know God, even though, you're, even though you know Him in here, but you don't know about Him, you don't know how He judges, you don't know how He blesses, and, and frankly... But sometimes we're just unconcerned about it. We don't even think about God. And the results of not having this knowledge. You know, uh, it was, it's, like the, uh, it's like the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler went to the Lord and, and said, Lord, what, can I, what must I do to have eternal life? <clears throat> and the Lord told him. Well, first of all, it says the Lord loved him. <laughs> now, there's a good lesson. That, that there's a, the children of God... Christ can send the children, his own children, away sorrowful. The Lord has no problem with that. The Lord simply exposed that man's heart and what he really loved in this life, and it was not to follow Jesus Christ. All these things have I kept from my youth. Ah, but Jesus knew him, didn't he? Jesus knew what he really loved inside. There's knowledge Jesus had of him he did not have of himself. So the Christ says, sell everything you got and give to the poor. Follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. You want heavenly treasures? You want treasures that are above what you have and what you own and possess, what you got by labor? Sell them, give to the poor, you'll have me. And it says that man went away sorrowful because he was rich. To send somebody, a lot, of Lord, a lot of the Lord's people just go away sorrowful or they go away and quit following the Lord. Because, what it, because knowledge of God requires our 
our obedience to God. Because once you learn about God and understand God, then to say that, well, I don't want to obey God, doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? And, and, and there are consequences to that. And so the, so the Jews, now, there are no greater lessons in the Bible than, than the lessons of, uh, uh, that you can go back and read of, of how God dealt with the Jews, with the nation of Israel. <clears throat> now, the, uh, in the book of, let's say, let's go to the book of Hosea. Let's see. In the fourth chapter, God tells the children of Israel. <clears throat> he says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no truth, there is no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Folks have just decided, you know, God is not in control. Folks don't want God in anything. They'll say... Uh, you know, God doesn't belong in, in, in homes, doesn't belong in schools, doesn't belong in government. Go tell God that. Go, you go, if you want to be the one to tell God you don't belong in this world, in this country, go right ahead. It won't go well. Listen, God is ruler in every kingdom of man. He has established every nation that's ever been established. And then he promises this. He says, at what time I raise up a nation to prosper them. If that nation sins against me and does not repent, I'll tear it down. At what time I decide to tear a nation down. And God does the tearing, God does the building. It's not us. At what time I decide to tear a nation down, if that nation repents of their evil and they follow me, I will repent of the evil that I'll do to it. It doesn't matter what dispensation of time, how great of the nation ever was, even including America, we're included in that. God has raised up America, hadn't he? I mean, for, for the last 200 and something years. There's never been another nation on this earth other than the nation of Israel to have a democracy and freedom that you and I enjoy. Now, <clears throat> there's no knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing, stealing, committing adultery, they break out. The, the blood touches blood, therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish. The beasts of the field, the fowls of heaven, yea, the fish of the sea, they shall also be taken away. What we do affect nature, doesn't it? Looks like to me it does. <clears throat> now listen to this. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another. This is the problem. <clears throat> if you want to see a nation that don't have the knowledge of God, you cannot tell people they're wrong. Let no man strive and reprove another person. It's offensive, isn't it? Don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Because, listen, what I'm doing is what I want to do, and God will accept that. That's just who I believe God is. Now, and because people, there's always got to be a voice for this kind of for this kind of knowledge. Not the good kind, but the bad kind. Somebody has got to speak. And then people with no knowledge of God just simply says, hey, I like that. Though the Word of God contradicts it severely. So when a nation gets to the point where you cannot reprove or, say, or tell somebody else what you're doing is contrary to the laws of God, then you know 
What comes next, and that is, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, it doesn't mean that, the, that America is going to just go up and smoke. <laughs> Listen, Israel didn't just go up and smoke. What Israel had was confusion. Confusion of faith. Strange things. Odd occurrences. Weirdness. Uh, had other nations above them, affecting them, because God opened up those gates. God, what God promises, God gives. And God promised Israel, if you're obedient and do according to my words. This was after they're out of Egypt, by the way. Do according to my words. Obey my voice. I will make you the head and every other nation will be the tail. But if ye do not obey my voice, do not obey my words, you're going to be the tail. The other nations will be the head. And that's what happened. That's what happened. So, so you see, first of all, you cannot tell another man, you can't strive with men or reprove men. For thy people are as they that strive with the priest. But they'll go straight to religion and say religion is the cause of this. They'll strive with, with, with and, and this time it was the priest. All right, that, that's, that's, uh, that, that's, and that, was a, that was an absolute commandment that you cannot do. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Verse 12, and the man that will do presumptuously, that is, he'll presume he can do it, just because, like Cole said, his ego, and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister, because the priest ministers what? God's word. <clears throat> Therefore the Lord thy God, or, or minister there before the Lord thy God, or unto the judge, even that man shall die, thou shalt put away the evil from Israel. There was capital punishment. In Israel, not in America, for, for not obeying God's word. In certain instances, there was just you just died. I mean, they, they stoned you to death because God told them to. You say it's harsh, but it is. I mean, it sounds harsh, but that, that was God's laws. You know who could have saved that from happening? The people. They could have just did what God said. You know, <laughs> we haven't we have the we presume that we can actually change God. America does. A lot of people in America think that in, in religious America, they just simply change God. And, and, and listen, you get, you get enough voices. Uh, I mean, there, there's a scripture that says that the wicked walk on every side when the vilest of men or women are exalted. I mean, you start listening to, the, to, to all the uh, uh, Hollywood folks. I mean, just because somebody has a hit song or somebody has a television show, you know, pardon me if I if I don't go out and proclaim that the that that all the laws of God are over, that homosexuality is okay, that abortion is okay because Oprah Winfrey said so. I mean, that's that's what that means. People just listen to what they want to hear. Let the Word of God say something different. They just want to hear it. They'll argue with religion, true religion, which means they argue with God. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of that way in America, aren't we? At least a lot of folks. Not everybody, but a lot of folks. Okay. <clears throat> Therefore shalt thou fall in that day. The prophet shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected it. Some folks just don't want to hear it. 
I don't want to hear it. It imposes too much on me. God requires too much. I'm not ready to be obedient. They reject the knowledge. I'm not, I'm not saying they reject their eternal calling, that they shall. I'm saying they reject knowing God. And that affects churches, that affects families, that affects states, that affects nations, that affects everybody. I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Brother Tim McCoy actually preached a little bit on this this morning as well as listening to Grace on radio, and he made an important point. <clears throat> I mean, if you don't care about yourself, what about your children? Because what we do and how we act before God sets an example to our children. Now, if, uh, if, if we're okay to reject the counsel of God, to reject the knowledge of God, to say, listen, God... That old God that, that is taught in the Bible, we don't believe that God really exists. We like a God, but we want the kind of God that just is kind of like a good granddaddy. Puts you on his knee and bounces you a little bit. And, uh, and, and if you do something wrong, he, he, he just kind of turns his back and doesn't do anything about it. That is not who God is. Now, that will affect your children and your children's children. God says it does. He did to Israel. You know, what you do today, how we serve God and how we teach our children about God affects down the road. It's going to affect Theodore. <laughs> it's going to affect uh, anybody's grandchildren and great-grandchildren. <clears throat> so, 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 listen, so knowing God or not knowing God is destructive. Um, can be. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, when, uh, when God told the Israelites, you know, and gave them those commands, and, and, and we can read the, the, the results in the book of Jeremiah. I'm, I'm going to go there just for time's sake. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was one of those prophets that God sent to Israel right at the beginning of when Nebuchadnezzar came. And God told him, say, listen, this is what you're going to go tell them. And he said, don't be afraid of their looks. They're going to look at you mad. They're going to cross their arms and they're going to be red-faced and they're going to hunker down. And they did. And they said, do not tell us about this. Those were their words. We will not hear it. That is not what God said. Those were their exact words. They got red-faced. They got mad at Jeremiah. They, you know, you always heard the, 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 the saying, don't shoot the messenger. Well, that was one of the cases. They, did, they shot him. Not literally. They wound up putting him in a dungeon. I mean, you know, the poor man was in a, <laughs> in, in, a, in a pit of water and slime for just proclaiming the word of God. You know, one of these days, it may be that way here. If, if, if you're really going to stand on the truth, if, if, you're, going, if you're going to defend God, the real God. And you, just, you may defend a God, but if you're, going to offend, if you're going to defend the real God by your words and by your actions, you just may have to stand up against somebody and say, listen, God is right and we're wrong. Because that is what real knowledge looks like. And I'm going to prove to you that. That is when God gives us knowledge, the result of that knowledge 
is saying God is right and we are wrong. Now, so Jeremiah was the, well, the prophet saying and God told him, you know, don't be afraid of their looks. Jeremiah, he's still afraid. He prayed to God and said, Lord, they're, listen, they're, I have made them mad. God says, they want to hear the false prophets. Their, their desires were, they wanted people to tell them what? Smooth things. God says, the false prophets have, have uh, what was his words? Let's say they, they, he has... Uh, healed the hurt of my daughter slightly by telling them, peace, peace. And God says, when there is no peace. They just think they have peace. Because somebody, somebody important is telling them that they do. But there is none there. Jeremiah, you tell them right the opposite. Now, God told them. He told Jeremiah, you go to them and you tell them to stand. These people in Judea, you know, there's a remnant left in Judea. He said, you stand, you stay in Judea, you stand in the way, and you seek the old path, wherein is the good way, and you walk therein, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And they said, we will not stand. We're just not going to do it. God said, okay. Wherever you go, the sword, the pestilence, the famine is going to follow you. You're not escaping. They went to Egypt, and guess what? God sent everything to Egypt. You think the Egyptians appreciated that? No. <laughs> they appreciate that one bit. Now, <clears throat> as, as the knowledge of God goes, now, and God had promised them, and there's something I want to, to, to impress upon you, too. That when God does something or, 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 or builds something for his own namesake, and, and religion especially, uh, when God set Israel, brought them out of Egypt, which is a typical, which is a type of God's spiritual people, all right? And then gives them a land, which is a type of the church. Tells them this is how you act in the land. This is this, and when you get into the land. You don't mix and mingle with the other uh, Gentile nations. You don't take their daughters to your sons or the, your sons to their daughters. You don't worship their idols. You stay away from them. You serve me and, and my cause and my religion, which I will have for my name in Jerusalem, and you come worship me. If you're close enough to Jerusalem on every Sabbath day, you better be there. Now, if you're far away from Jerusalem, there were tabernacles set up, sanctuaries, where God's people could go and worship every Sabbath day. God said, these are the laws concerning my worship. And, uh, and also, uh, there were ceremonial laws. There were, there were, there were offerings of, of the blood and bull and goats and things like that. Those people could not ever stop doing what God commanded them to do. They had no business reforming religion. Never had they business to reform religion. When they stopped doing what God commanded, they simply suffered for it. 
There is only one time religion has ever been reformed, and guess who did that? Your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul talks about the Reformation. He says these these offerings of, of blood and bulls and goats were for a time until the Reformation. Now aren't you glad that you don't have to bring a bunch of animals in here this morning and cut their throats and, and sprinkle their blood upon an altar? I'm glad, but we get to worship the Lamb that was slain, do we not? We get to worship Him fully and freely. And it ought not to be a burden. It ought to be done cheerfully and joyfully. Willingly. So the house of God that Jesus built, the church that He built on His name, is still intact today. And guess what? Nobody has the business or the right to reform it. There's nothing added to it. Because listen, if the, if, the, if the builder is God, do you think it's built wrong? It's a very simple way of worship, isn't it? The New Testament church has singing in it. We have praying and we have preaching. That's what we have. You know, the, uh, the idea you got to fancy that up is just a bad idea. It's just a bad idea. There's, there's, you don't fancy up Christ. He is, listen, He is <laughs> the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, there, there is enough. Folks say, well, there's not a lot to do in the, in the, in the gospel church, the primitive Baptist. Listen, discipleship is a full-time job. If that's not enough to keep us entertained in spiritual matters, then nothing else will. Discipleship is a full-time job. Now, in the, so back in the book of Jeremiah. So, so God told them to say this. They won't do it. All right. Now, in the 24th chapter, uh, God tells uh, uh, Jeremiah, I've got, uh, there, there's, there's a vision of figs. All right. So, there were some figs that were nice, and there are some figs that are rotten. All right. And I won't go into that. I don't have time. <clears throat> now, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. So God is saying, I'm going to deliver them. It's because, you know, listen, these people, just because they were spiritually alive didn't mean they didn't follow the idolatries. If enough people say it, surely it's right. And that's kind of the way Israel was, wasn't it? If, if somebody important enough tells me that what we're doing is okay, surely it's right. And, and even God's own spiritual family fell into that snare. All right? I have sent, uh, I have sent out in this place into the land of the, of the Chaldeans for their good. For I will set my eyes upon them for good. I will bring them again to this land. I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. I will give them, now listen, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, I will be their God. For they shall return unto me with their whole heart. Now notice what God says. God says there's going to be a people. You know how many millions went away captive? 
How many were, were, were dispersed around the lands? You know how many came back? Anybody got an idea? The numbers in the Bible. There's a little over 50,000, and that's it. 50,000 out of all those that God put in their hearts to know Him, not in regeneration, but to know how He works, to know God and how He blesses, know why we are in this situation. That, that when these Jews were carried away captive, they, they looked around. You know what people like Daniel said? They said, Lord, uh, who, art, who art righteous in all that thou dost, we have sinned. Hey, listen, Jeremiah, I mean, uh, Daniel put himself right there with them. We have sinned and brought upon ourselves this confusion of faith. But thou art righteous, O God. Now, a lot of people want to blame God for everything that's happening. No, it's the sinners. It's us. It's God's people. They say, why does God let bad things happen? Well, listen, bad things started happening in the fall. Death came upon all men. The earth is cursed. There's a lot we've got to deal with naturally, isn't there? There's a lot that we bring upon ourselves that we could avoid through our sins and our iniquities, our, 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 our provoking God to anger. You say, that's not God. It is God. That's what I'm saying. That is the real God. That's the real God. God says, they provoked me to anger. As if you're poking at a snake, trying to get an old snake there that's, that's lying dormant, and you keep poking at it, and you wind up putting your finger down there, and you poke, poke, and next thing you know, it takes hold of you, and you got poison injected in you. And then you get mad at the snake. When, uh, when the Israelites went into captivity, there were some who realized why they were there. And God says they're going to repent. Now, God doesn't repent about, uh, of things whenever he says, uh, this is the way it's going to be. I've given their chance of repentance and so many years they've gone by without it and this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to give them thir- uh, 70 years into this captivity and some people when they were there understood why they were in confusion. You think Americans wake up and think, why, you know, why are we in such a situation as this? Well, I blame the Democrats. Well, I blame the Republicans. I blame Hollywood. You know what God said about things like that concerning the Israelites? That no man repented and said, what have I done? What have I done? Listen, I've done enough myself to provoke God to anger. Myself, in my life, I have done enough to provoke God to anger. Now, what we don't want to do is say that that's okay. Because repentance brings us to a sense that we have sinned. And what we're going through as a a church, too. I mean, I'm not talking about Buffalo in particular, but listen, guys. When's the last time of year, when's the last time that you have known that there's been a new Primitive Baptist Church established? All we know, all we hear is them shutting down, closing doors. Selling buildings. Can't get people to come. The the house of God is not that important anymore, is it? 
I mean, we get there when it's convenient and nothing else gets in the way. I'm going to show you that wisdom tells you otherwise. All right? So we got, we got these good figs. God says, when I give them my wisdom, I'm going to build them. All right? To find that wisdom, we've got to go to the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah, if you want to, uh, if you want to read you know, for yourselves, and I, I encourage you to do that, read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. So when, when God said, 70 years is up, I'm bringing my, ki- my children out, these good figs, these 50,000, <clears> a little over 50,000. All right? So, uh, so Ezra, in, in, in the book of Ezra, As soon as they came back, what did they start doing? They started building the temple. You know, before they built their own houses. You know, everybody said, well, it's, it's, you know, I've got to establish myself. Once I get established, I'll serve God a lot better. I get my debts paid off. I get my new truck paid off. I get my new house paid off. I've got so much to do and I've got so much to work at. So much to, you know, so much. To, one of these days I'm going to serve God better. Listen, when they got back, these people that God gave wisdom concerning themselves and concerning God, first thing they did was they started building the house of God. You remember a good king named Hezekiah who had a bad daddy and a bad granddaddy? In, this first, in the first month of the first year of the, of the reign of King Hezekiah, remember the first thing he did because his daddy shut the doors to the house of God. Says Hezekiah, his first order of business was he opened the doors to the house of God. Because God is a God to be worshipped. He is a religious God. He is religion. True religion. Undefiled before God. That is, that is who God is. God commands to be worshipped. And when God's people do it joyfully and cheerfully, that's what happens. That, that is, He gets what God deserves, and then we get the benefits of worshiping Him. And the pleasures in Christ. In other words, we get those treasures. That one man went away uh, sorrowful because he didn't want to sell what he had. What if God told you? What if God, God knows your heart? He knows what you love more than anything else, even above Him. What if He says, you quit doing it and you serve me? Would you go away sorrowful? I'm afraid I might. I have to work on things like that. It's a constant battle. So I don't love this world and the things thereof. Like I'm commanded of Christ to do. All right, so when they started building the, the, the temple, listen, it wasn't long. It did not take them very long. You're talking about people who do not learn. You know what they did? They started taking daughters. And sons of those other other countries. And Ezra, in the in the ninth chapter, when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle. I plucked off the hair of my head and my beard, and I sat down, and I was astonished. Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled, that trembled at the words of God. Now there are folks who listens to the words of God. There are folks who take the words of God and it kind of goes through one ear and out the other. There are folks who hear the word of God and they say, eh, I'll hear more of that later like they did with Apostle Paul. And then there are people who tremble, who really do believe and 
know God. Because when you know God, you can't help but tremble. In fact, that's who God says. God says, I am God, and my th- uh, heaven is my throne, the earth is my, foot- my footstool, and I look unto him, or her, I look unto him who has a contrite and a broken heart and who trembleth at my word. Who simply says, Lord, kind of like, like Paul, the Apostle Paul after his Damascus experience, what will you have me to do? And sinning is not an option. Disobedience is not an option. Wait until later is not an option. <clears throat> they trembled at the words of God because of the transgressions. And they and, and listen, they 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 <laughs> Ezra said, I'm ashamed. And I blush. And he didn't even do this. I'm ashamed and I blush to lift up my face to thee, for our iniquities have increased over our head and our trespasses have grown unto heavens. And you know what they did? Every one of those who took their wives left. Like God commanded. Their children. Some of them got rid of their wives and children and stayed in Jerusalem, because God commanded. How hard? Listen, they didn't have to do that. There were plenty of wives for them within the realms of the Israelites, like God commanded. Now, God don't command us things like that. All right, I'm not saying He does. This is what I'm telling. What I'm saying is, when you know God, even under the New Testament, when you know God, it affects the way we worship and how we live. It should. If it doesn't, something's wrong. Something's, maybe it's something wrong with your preacher. <laughs> That, that, that he's just not preaching the gospel where it's plain enough for anybody to understand it. Because that's what Ezra did, wasn't it? Ezra was the scribe. He understood the, what, the law of Moses. He understood the word of God. And he said he caused the people to understand it. He read. Listen, he read all day long one day the words of God out of the book of Moses. And everybody stayed. He built a pulpit. They got, he got on a pulpit. And, uh, and, and he read the words of Moses out of that law. And everybody stayed. And they said, Amen. They fell on their faces. They worshiped God. They confessed their sins. They said, All that God says, we will do. That's what wisdom looks like. That's what knowledge of God looks like when God gives people true knowledge of Himself. And then... Then they made a pact. It's, it's a, you know, sometimes when you're young, you, you get in a club. You make up the club and you make up these rules that, you know, if you're going to be a part of this club, this is what, sorry, this is what you do. You know, this is, this is our pact. We make this agreement within ourselves to be a part of this club. And uh, when the Israelites knew God, that is when God gave them knowledge of Him, true knowledge of Him, of who He is and who they were. They made a pact. All right? And in the, in the ninth chapter of the book of Nehemiah, <clears throat> no, I'm sorry, the tenth chapter, tenth chapter of the book of Nehemiah, says that they clave to their brethren, their nobles, and they entered into a curse. You ever, you, when you read the Bible, you ever uh, remember when people say, excuse me, God do 
God do so unto me, and more also, if I do not do this. That's, that's taking a curse. That if I don't do what, my word, what I say my word I will do, then God do to me. L- listen, when, when the Israelites brought a curse upon themselves, the curse was that if we don't serve God like God commands us, then we're going to be worthy of this again. And you know what? They didn't. They did for a while. I mean, you, we go right on in time to Christ and see how the ears flats were then. <clears throat> Which shows that they lost knowledge. All right. We enter into a curse, into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his judgments and his statutes. That we would not give our daughters to the people of the land. We would not take their daughters for our sons. And if the people of the land brought any victuals on the Sabbath day, in other words, somebody's selling some goods on the Sabbath day, and they're going to sell, we're not going to buy. We're not going to trade on the Sabbath day, because God commanded that we don't. And that we would not buy them on the Sabbath day or on a holy day, that we would keep the seventh year that was commanded to them to that their land had to rest every seven years. Couldn't farm. You couldn't farm every seven years in the land of Israel because God says the land needs to rest. You know how many years they went disobeying God? Anybody got any idea? 490. 490 years God was putting up with that. And then when, then, then when they started uh, deferring the knowledge of God to other things, God, for every seven years, you divide that into 490, you get 70. For every seven years that they did not obey God, they got, they got a year of captivity. Seventy years they stayed in captivity. You don't think God looks at what we do and says... I might get back from you what you have taken from me for, you know, for 490 years. What, what if God pays us back on what we rob him? I mean, you think God doesn't take inventory of, of the house of God on the Lord's day? You think, you think God's any different? Americans probably think he is, but, but he's not. If, if you, listen, if, if, if there's not an encouragement, if it's not enough that He's God and He's worthy of our praise and our presence, then let's get a little bit selfish. Let's think about what we can avoid in God's judgments. Seventy years. Now, the last part of this curse, which this is like the this is like the pinnacle, right? They 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 bring the curse. They say they're going to do everything God says. The last thing that they say is that we will not forsake the house of our God, because that's usually the beginning of forsaking God. We will not forsake it. It's God's house. So Paul would say things. You say, well, give me some New Testament. I'll be glad to give a New Testament. <clears throat> Paul says, <clears throat> forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together 
after the manner of some is. But so much the more provoking one another to to good works, in other words, to attend the house of God. When you see the day coming, that is the seventh, not the seventh, but the first day, Jesus came to reform the very day itself. The resurrection day is the day we meet. We don't meet on the old Jewish Sabbath day. Uh, When you read in the book of the the Acts of the Apostles, when Paul was reasoning on the Sabbath day in the synagogues, he was reasoning with the Jews on the Sabbath day. The disciples met on what? The first day of the week. The disciples on the first day of the week. The disciples broke bed on the first day of the week. Paul says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together after the manner of some ends. Some people just forsake it. Now, <clears throat> there, sometimes when you, uh, and this, I read commentaries and things like that, sometimes when you can't improve, when you can't improve on, uh, on what somebody else has said, it's best just to read it. I wrote this down. Let me look in the... I've got it here somewhere. All right, here it is. I've got all kinds of stuff in my Bible. All right. This is John Gill's commentary on that that scripture. Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together after the manner of some is. He says, now to forsake such an assembling signifies a great infrequency of attending with the saints. A rambling from place to place. It is the duty of saints to assemble together for public worship. First of all, on the account of God who has appointed it, who approves of it, and whose glory is concerned in it. On the account, secondly, on the account of the saints themselves, that they may be delighted, refreshed, comforted, instructed, edified, and perfected. Thirdly, on the account of others, that they may be convinced, converted, and brought to the knowledge the knowledge that we can find, and faith of Christ, and an imitation of the primitive saints. And then he says, And an assembling together ought not to be forsaken. For when doing so, first you are forsaking God. Then you are forsaking your own mercies. And he says, And such are likened to be forsaken of God, nor is it known what will be lost hereby. <clears throat> so it sounds like the Jews had a good idea that forsaking the house of God is not a good idea. <clears throat> that when God gave them knowledge, their last part of that oath is we're not going to forsake God's house. <clears throat> now, in the, in the New Testament, I mean, really... Does, does the liberties of Christ give us liberties to forsake Him? Does He not teach contrary to that? Does He not command us to take up our cross and follow Him? Does He not command our presence? Absolutely He does. Now, when a people forsake God... They can't get mad at God if He forsakes them. <clears throat> if Americans are dispersed, I mean, how, how much, how far do you think any preacher would get 
if he was to walk into somewhere today that they're, they're playing an NFL game, say, listen, y'all can't do this on the Lord's Day because God said you can't do your pleasure nor work on the Lord's Day to, to rival God in His time of worship. Stop doing this. You think that would get very far? Well, they would they'd crucify the preacher. Crucify him. Get out of here. I mean, how many businesses could you shut down today by going in with God's Word? You know, the Son of God said Himself concerning His house, His kingdom, the church, on the, uh, the church that is on this earth, and he, listen, He makes no provisions for city folk or country folk. He doesn't, give any, uh, uh, he doesn't give any advantage to one over the other. He says concerning both of them, He says they make light, they make light of my supper, of my, my gospel. They make light of it as if it's a light thing. One goes to his farm, the other goes to his merchandise. And he says, and the Lord was wroth and angry when folks don't turn out to eat his supper. <clears throat> the knowledge of God is important enough, first of all, for the glory of God, but also to keep the forsaking of us by God. And if he does, we can't get mad. Now, what is the answer to this? Repentance on our part. Don't, don't say, don't be like, you know, like all of us do. No man repents and says, what have I done? As if to say, I've done nothing. Now, listen, I'm not really particularly pointing everybody out here. I'm just saying this is the general case of God's people in America today. The general case. Now, the best you can do, the best I can do, because you can't live for somebody else. You cannot live for somebody else, but you can set an example of what is important to you. What is important to you? Is God important? Is God's religion important? Is worshiping God important? Is the truth important? I think it is. Now, these people had rest. I don't know what's coming in America. Maybe nothing. I just know it's different than it ever has been since I've been alive. But one thing's for sure. God says the nation that forgets him shall be turned to hell, which just means destruction. It doesn't mean everybody's going to hell. It just means destruction, confusion of faith. And if, if we're going to have rest in a nation like that or in a world, it's not just America. Listen, we're one of the better ones, honestly. The European nations are a whole lot worse. Than, it takes us a while to catch up with them normally. European nations are a whole lot worse than America. <clears throat> but if we won't rest in this land, in this church, it all begins and it ends with Almighty God. To know God is important. You can learn all about Him in this book called the Holy Bible. You don't have to guess. You don't have to say, I think. You simply can find out everything through prayer, meditation, reading, and then asking Listen, if I don't know an answer to something, I know there's primitive Baptist preachers who have that answer. They're a lot smarter than me. And I'll gladly find you an answer to a question. 
So, you know, church is kind of like a pact, isn't it? It's, it's kind of, you know, that, it's kind of like an oath. When you join the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like taking an oath that I'm a part of them. God is my God. The Son of God has purchased me. And I will worship that God, the true and living God, as long as He gives me breath. As long as He gives me breath. Let us, let us be, let us, that's what consent means. That's why, that's what the New Testament church says. They all were of one mind and one accord. Nobody disagreed about things like that back in those days. All of one mind and all of one accord. Let's, let's all be of that mind to serve our Lord. Thank you for your, for attention.